And so I would just encourage you, instead of saying, I want to hire a partner manager, really think through what are you trying to solve here, and then hire someone that's potentially tailored to that. Welcome to SaaS Connect, the SaaS Partnership Podcast, brought to you by the Cloud Software Association. Thank you, as always, to our podcast producers, content allies. They help B2B companies like you launch revenue-generating podcasts. They'll schedule interviews, produce the podcast, and promote it. Check them out at contentallies.com. Thank you to SaaS Connect, to Sanir, for having me. I'm excited to share a little bit more about T-Sheets, about QuickBooks, and how we approach partnerships. To give you a little bit of background on me, I'm currently at Intuit in our partnerships team, looking across everything from TurboTax to QuickBooks to payments to payroll to T-Sheets to our developer program. So we'll leave a lot of time for Q&A at the end. If you have questions, please ask. You guys can ask the grittiest, gnarliest questions, and I will give you an honest answer. Previously to Intuit, I was at T-Sheets. Intuit bought us about a year and a half ago, so I came in via an acquisition And then about three years ago, I was at a company called Womply. If you guys have heard of it, they're a great SMB SaaS software company here in the city. I think there's one or two people from Womply floating around. Go talk to them. They're doing some really interesting stuff, taking data and making it consumable for SMBs. This is my family. This is my wife, Anna. This is our son, Beckett. He's super small in the top photo. And this is our dog, Marlo. I was showing Anna actually the deck last night. She was not pleased with that photo, and she wanted me to tell you guys this was when Beckett was very little and she was sleep-deprived, and that's why she looks like that. Not a joke. She made me say that. (laughs) All right, so I'll start off talking a little bit about T-Sheets, then I'll talk about our partnership playbook. And the partnership playbook, I really think about partnerships in two different areas. On one side, you've got product partnerships. That's when you're bringing the products together to create a better experience for the customer. And on the other side are distribution partnerships. You know, how can we generate more subs? How do we drive customers to us? We think the holy grail is when those two intersect. And I'm going to spend my time talking about that. All right. If you came to the SaaS Connect last year, my boss, our founder, Matt Rissell, was here. He was up on stage. He's got way more energy than me. I think he yelled at you guys for an hour. He threw t-shirts into the crowd. So you heard a little bit about the story last year. What I wanted to share about the t-sheet story is actually what did work and what didn't work for us. And so t-sheets, like many of your companies, actually started from the need of a small business. So Matt ran a business where he actually took empty printer cartridges and refilled them with ink. That's a real business that exists. And what happened was one of his best employees one night, she filled out her timesheet and she walked out. And Matt was like, do I check to see if she was accurate? Do I check to see if she lied or not? He's like, no, I won't. And he's like, "Uh, but I kind of want to. And so he checked her time card and she had rounded up by seven minutes and said she clocked out after she actually clocked out. And so Matt, being the madman he is, the next day hid in his truck outside of his store and he wrote down when every single employee left for the night. He went in and he compared that to what they actually wrote down in their timesheets. And he saw a difference, a discrepancy. People were rounding. And as a small business where margins are tough, that actually really matters. And so he was looking for a solution. How do I actually help my employees clock in and out accurately? There wasn't anything that worked for him. His roommate, Brandon, our now CTO, uh, built a very, very, very simple mobile-first time-tracking software. And in the first month, Matt saved $2,000 on payroll. 
and his accountant was like, can you guys sell this? And they were like, we have no idea, but we'll try to figure this out. And that's how T-Sheets was born. That was about 10 years ago. And like I said, Intuit acquired us last year. So what didn't work for us, and that's supposed to be a GIF where they're running and I think one of their pants falls down. But two strategies did not work for us. And one of them was related to partnerships that I wanted to highlight. The first strategy that didn't work for us was we went out and we really aggressively hired a field sales team to go sell our product to end customers. And they'd be knocking on doors, we'd be buying lead lists, they'd be calling them. And that failed so incredibly hard that it almost sucked the company. The second thing that we tried and didn't work was we would pour massive amounts of resources into a partnership, launch them with massive fanfare, and they just didn't work. And so we had multiple go-to-market failures, We put massive resource into selling. We put massive resource into partnerships, and they just failed. They didn't work, and we almost bankrupt the company. Uh, So T-Sheets, our average customer, pays us $73 per month. So what did work? How did we actually not crash and burn this thing? We actually read the book, The Lean Startup. Every employee in the company was required to read it, and we oriented ourselves around the mindset of A-B testing of testing and iterating. And today, everybody in the room probably you know, nods their heads, yes, that's obvious, that's how we build a SaaS software company. You know, That wasn't so obvious seven years ago when this book came out, but that's how we run the company today, and that's also how we run partnerships. And so you'll hear me talk a little bit more about how we bring the lean startup methodology into the partnerships world. So bulk of the conversation is, you know, how do we actually drive new customers from partnerships? And there are three things that we do as a company that I think are a little bit different. And that's what I wanted to talk with you guys about. And these are three practical things. I'm going to try to give a simple takeaway in each one that you can maybe bring back and try yourself. And I encourage you, if you're trying to partner with Intuit or you're trying to partner with T-Sheets, use these three things against us. Like use them to make you more successful when you're trying to work with Intuit, when you're trying to work with T-Sheets. So the first one I want to talk about is partnerships being a company-wide mindset. And there are two things that I want to key in here. The first thing that we've learned is as a BD person, as a partnerships person, you need to bring the rest of your company along for the journey with you. I'll tell a story. Someone actually told me a similar story over lunch half an hour ago. But the story goes something like this. You're having a BD conversation with a large company, you get really excited. They've got an app marketplace and you know, Microsoft built to them and Microsoft got like 25,000 new customers. You know, Box built to them, Box got 15,000 new customers. I'm all amped up and you bring it back to your CEO and you say, hey, I think we can do 20,000 new customers from this partnership. And the CEO's like, no way, but we could maybe do 5,000. And you're like, yeah, 5,000, it's a slam dunk. That's the low end target. So you go to your VP of engineering and you're like, hey, this thing will take three months to build. He knows you're full of it because it's really going to take nine months to a year to build. And he pushes back on you. But you go to the CEO and you're like, 5,000 is the low end, 50,000 is the high end. And they forced your VP of engineering to build this integration. It takes a year later, you do a massive PR launch, you roll the partnership out, and you literally get like 12 new customers. Not 12,000, 12. I have been in that situation. I'm still sitting on the side of the bed sucking my thumb at night because of the pain that caused. But what I want to share about this is, 
If you have a partnerships as a company mindset, you're going to bring along your coworkers with you early in the journey. And so as a really practical takeaway here, I would encourage every person here, if you don't know your VP of engineering on a personal level, if you don't know his wife's name, if you don't know his kid's name, like I think you're leaving something on the table. Take that time, invest in her, invest in him, get to know them. They will become your biggest ally and you will be more successful in your role. I have an incredible partner in our head of engineering. His name is J.D. Mullen. And by getting to know him and building trust with him, it has helped us be more successful partnerships. The second piece on building partnerships as a company-wide mindset is it has allowed us to go to market differently with our partners. And so I spend a ton of time with our VP of engineering, uh, Jen Hetherington. Again, get to know her, get to know her husband, get to know her family. And in return, she has invested considerably into our partners. Recently, she did something really cool for us. We have a partnership with ADP. And for March Madness, we got 5,000 basketballs, ADP T-sheets logo, we stuffed them with candy, and then we gave those to the ADP reps to actually bring to customers to start a conversation. We're now enabling our partners to get more customers because something that our marketing department is doing. So first point, partnerships needs to be a customer mindset. The second is really figure out what matters most to your partner. This seems like a no-brainer. Sanir talked about it earlier when he's negotiating with his kids but find out what really matters to them. When we were partnering with Intuit, they have over 600 partners in their app store. They have 6,000 who have built an integration. The question I get all the time is, how did you stand out with Intuit? How did you get their time? Because whenever I try to find someone to talk to at Intuit, I never can. And so what we did, very simple, we really figured out what mattered to Intuit. In our case, it was three things. It was one, Voice of the customer. So what were customers actually saying in reviews? The second thing that mattered to Intuit was accountants. And the third thing that mattered to Intuit was NPS score. And so what we did as T-Sheets, this is the secret sauce, but it's not a secret, is we won. We made sure to get 3,000 reviews in the Intuit app store when the next closest partner had 150. So 150, we made sure we got 3,000. The second thing we did was they had a conference called QuickBooks Connect where all the accountants came. We made sure to go bonkers at that conference to get the accountants to fall in love with us. As an anecdote, one year, we actually brought a megaphone for one of our raffles and we got kicked out of the conference. And so just we went crazy on those accountants and we got them to fall in love with us. And then the third thing was we really figured out in the integration between T-Sheets and QuickBooks, what really delighted customers? What drove that delight? And we focused on that, which drove higher NPS score. And so I, I give that as an example. You may not be partnering with Intuit, but really dig into what matters to your partner and what matters to the individual on the other side of you know, the Blue Jeans conference or your Slack conversation or your phone call. One thing that we do is we make a commitment to our partners that we're going to make them look awesome. And what that means is when I have a partnership, I actually find out what would it take for the person on the other side of the phone to get promoted. If you're talking to a director of partnerships at a larger corporation, ask them, how do you get promoted? How are you measured? And when you find that out, then do things in the partnerships that helps that person get promoted. I guarantee you, 
as an Intuit employee, if you are doing something in your partnership that's going to get me promoted, I am going to spend more time focusing on you, and I'm going to spend more time in that partnership. So really practical takeaway for this one, like ask the person on the other side of the phone what it takes for them to get promoted, and then work towards making that happen. Third one, and maybe this is controversial at a BD conference, we don't hire generalist partner managers. We actually look at the problem that we're trying to solve in partnerships, and we hired people that are tailored to that problem. So for example, when we were building out our long tail platform program, I hired a product manager to manage that, not a BD person. When we launched our partnership with ADP, which is a big field sales driven company, I hired a field sales person to manage that partnership. And so I would encourage you, when you think about hiring, don't just put the job description as partner manager. Really think about what skill set would that person need to solve the biggest problem that you have. And maybe it's not a partner manager. Maybe it might be a solutions engineer. Maybe it's a really experienced customer success rep that could help you solve the problem that you have on your partnerships team. Maybe it's someone who's worked at your biggest partner for 20 years and knows all the people inside and out. And so I would just encourage you, instead of saying, I want to hire a partner manager, really think through what are you trying to solve here and then hire someone that's potentially tailored to that. All right. So those are the three things I wanted to share with you guys. I wanted to leave most of the time for Q&A. If you are interested in partnering with T-Sheets or Intuit, please ask questions about that. Please come up and chat with me afterwards. I know it can be challenging sometimes to navigate how do I partner with QuickBooks. And so I would love to chat with you about that. I'd love to make that happen. I've been on the other side of the table trying to figure it out as well. So thank you guys. Thanks for the talk. And I'm just curious, before you guys joined into it, when you were first starting out getting those first few integrations in place, how much of the benefit of that accrued to retention and LTV improvement versus how much you know, you saw through additional customer acquisition. I mean, I'm sure it was kind of deal by deal, but I'm just curious, like with the benefit of retrospect, you know, which one of those benefit more from while you were still independent? Yeah, that's a good question. So I have a big personal bias where I tend to focus on partnerships that drive new customers. And the reason I like to focus on those is one, I actually think they're harder to do. And so I think when you do them successfully, I think it benefits you more in your career. And two, when you are driving new customers, the focus that you get from the organization, the resources they're willing to allocate to you is just substantially higher than if you're impacting LTV. You know, if you're just working it out on the spreadsheet, it doesn't always make sense. But when there's an opportunity to drive new customers, it gets resourced, it gets focused, and that's where I've chosen to spend my time. That's not the right answer. That just happens to be the answer that I've done and what's worked for me. Hi, Kyle. Just a quick question. You mentioned hiring sellers and there were other partnerships that didn't fail. And so my question for you is, do you have any high level takeaways as to why that didn't work? So you've shared some good tips on how to be successful, but you have kind of a postmortem on why those other efforts were not. Yeah. So it's a good question. Which partnerships have we seen fail? So I answered in two ways. One, we view partnerships as a portfolio. And so we expect some will fail. When that happens, that's not a bad thing. We have expectations that they will fail. What's a bad thing is when you have a disproportionate resource allocated to partnerships that fail. That's when you get in trouble. That's when people lose jobs. And so what we really focus on is not over-investing in partnerships too early. And so to go back to the lean startup methodology, we always start partnerships the same way. We always start with a lean test. So you know, if I wanted to invest with ATT, 
and they're like, hey, we've got 300 million customers in the US, you know, just build an API integration to our billing platform and all will be right in the world. I'd say, I love that AT&T. I want to build that. Let me get a couple data points so I can go convince engineering. Could we maybe try this with just a flat file integration? And so we always launch with a lean go-to-market approach, and that tends to prevent blow-ups. And so to answer your question directly, you said what causes blow-ups? Over-allocating resources when you don't have the data points. And I think the second piece is when you try to do too many partnerships. And so we've basically said we're going to do a handful of really deep partnerships a year, and then we're going to do a massive long tail, and we're going to ignore the middle. And so we see a lot of companies trying to do, you know, 20, 30, 40 mid-sized partnerships. I tend to see those never work out. What I tend to see work out are let's go deep on a handful, and then let's grab the long tail in a very scalable manner. Why avoid the middle? Because I think the middle takes a lot of resource. And there are so many of them that you don't have enough resource to, to do them correctly. And so what you end up doing is underinvesting in the middle, and then they don't work well. But you've still spent a lot of resource. That's why I avoid the middle. But here's the thing. I would love for someone else to give a speech that says only focus on the middle, and then I could learn from them and learn how to do it correctly. So that's just my perspective. So when we think about different types of partnerships, we think of strategic partnerships. We will do less than five of those a year. And they are large. We allocate engineering resources. We allocate marketing resources. We then, the long tail is we don't allocate marketing resources. We don't allocate engineering resources. That's a scalable program. The middle is when, you know, you're kind of, you're like, well, you know, we can sneak it into the sprint or marketing's like, yeah, we could carve off 10% of a resource to work on it for six months. That's kind of the middle where you don't get the full commitment, but you're still allocating resource. And I tend to find that just doesn't end well for me. That doesn't end well for our team. So that's how I define the middle. But maybe you work at a company where you have like a ton of resource. And then I'd like to come talk to you about a partnerships job because that sounds like fun. Kyle, I got a question. Yeah. Are you guys leveraging data to make really data-assisted decisions with regards to who you partner with? Yeah, so great question. We are leveraging data and we're actually doing it in some really interesting ways. So we've instrumented our APIs to look at which endpoints our customers are using in integrations, and we're starting to discover what pain points are they trying to solve with partners. And those actually inform where we invest resources across the partnership landscape. That's probably something maybe a little different than other companies do. And so I'd encourage you to test that out. You know, see if you can get an engineering stays project to actually carve off some resources, look at how your partners are using or your customers are using the integration, which endpoints of the API are they using, and see if that could inform some partner decisions. How do you determine when to hire someone to manage a strategic partnership and when it can kind of be self-managed or partially managed by someone else? So that's a great question. We tend to hire earlier if it's a big strategic partner. And again, that's a reason I try to avoid the middle type partnerships is because that's when you're like, well, could I have one person manage 10 of them? That's really where we try to avoid in the middle. And so we hire early when we do decide that this is going to be a strategic partner. And so we do it really early on. And can I add something to that? What I'd say to that is that can be tricky. I could see myself sitting in the audience and being like, well, hey, my company doesn't let me do that. And what I'd say is if you can start to generate over time a say-do ratio where you say you're going to do something and then you actually do it in partnerships. You set a goal, and you actually hit that goal. As you start to do that over time, I've at least experienced that companies will let you hire ahead because they trust you're going to follow through on what you say you're going to do. 
this is kind of just following up to Jake's point. And, you know, when you're kind of with the senior leadership team and you're selling your handful of partnerships yeah. internally each year, what kind of financial modeling are you doing? Like, what are the key points that you're putting in like a two pager to an exec team being like, hey, here's the partner. Like, what are those checkpoints going down the list? Yeah, good question. So it has changed at the companies that I've been at. So into it, you always start with what is the customer benefit. And so I always start with the data around how is this benefiting our customers? More than revenue, more than connections. Um, I always start with the customer benefit. So that number one, and then man, like revenue speaks. Like when you can put a revenue number next to a partnership, that gets people's attention, that gets resources, and that gets people excited. So that's probably the second thing I put in there. So you talked about the strategic partnerships? Yep. How do you select who the strategic partnerships are going to be? What are the characteristics of them? So we look for a major customer need that we're missing today. Number two, we look for a large TAM, a large total addressable market. But then three, man, we always test into them. And so, you know, what's a good partnership? The partnership with ADP I was talking about earlier, it's a massive partnership for us now. It didn't start there. It started with a little dinky flat file that an engineer created over the weekend because I bought him like a 12-pack of beer. And so, you know, we tested into that partnership and that became one of our big strategic partners, but we tested first. Can I throw out one more question? Because like three different people said it, asked me before the meeting and I said, please ask that. And then they didn't. So the question that they asked me beforehand was, I want to partner with Intuit and QuickBooks, but no one ever emails me back. No one calls me back. Your website's confusing. Like, how do I actually successfully partner with QuickBooks? So here's what I want to say. I have a lot of empathy for that question because I experienced that for years. I will be here this afternoon. I can help you guys navigate the Intuit world. I can get you connected with the right people at Intuit if you are interested in partnering with us. So please come up and talk to me. I want to help you guys out here. I know being able to work with Intuit is not the easiest. We are working on that, but I have a lot of empathy for that question. So please come talk to me. I want to help you. Um, there are a couple of people in the crowd who I see who I've actually already helped and connected them with the right person. So come talk to me and I'll make that happen for you guys. Kyle, thank you. This has been great. Hey, thanks for having me. If you like this and want more great insights on software partnerships, you've got to rate, like, and subscribe and join us at the cloudsoftwareassociation.com. Thank you, as always, to our podcast producers, content allies. They help B2B companies like you launch revenue-generating podcasts. They'll schedule interviews, produce the podcast, and promote it. Check them out at contentallies.com. We'll see you on the next episode.